Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning, good morning. Last Saturday, the uh, elders and deacons spent an entire day reviewing what we see as the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Some of you may recognize that as a SWOT analysis uh, to this congregation. And we looked at five areas in particular. We looked at leadership, assemblies, fellowship, evangelism, and discipleship. And what we came away with after that roughly 12-hour day was a unified picture of the present condition and a future vision of the congregation in these areas. We found many strengths. We found a few weaknesses and threats, but we were most engaged and energized by the opportunities that the Lord has provided us with. We determined that our greatest opportunity for growth was in the area of discipleship. We concluded that all of the weaknesses and the challenges and even the threats that we saw within this church body could be addressed by more Christ-likeness. In other words, with Christ as our perfect example, if we were all to think and speak and live more like Him, we will likely address whatever problems we are facing and take advantages of the opportunities that the Lord has put in our path. Now, with that, as you know, our our, uh, pattern here often uh, in in the past has been to have a kind of a theme for the year. And it's not something that we teach on every single Sunday or that it's talked about consistently. But as as a unifying concept, we want to present to you um, our, our theme for 2023, and that is becoming more like Jesus every day conforming to his likeness, conforming to his will. And in your, in your bulletins, if you've got a paper bulletin or if you've got one online, uh, you can take a look at that. In the middle of the very first page, and it's there every Sunday, it, it, it shows our mission and commitment statement. Now, what in the world is that? That was born out of a a series of studies that was done by members of the congregation. We each took, we took small groups, we led small groups, and we came up with, or we we charged each group with, tell us what from Scripture is the purpose of the Lord's church. What are we trying to accomplish as the Lord's church? And while what you see on here is not Scripture per se, it's not a quotation of the Lord or of one of the apostles, it's a synthesis. It's our, our, our doing our, our best to synthesize what we believe the purpose is. And this is then our, our mission. It is as Christ's church, our purpose is to go and make disciples of Christ, foster their spiritual growth, and equip them to serve the church and the community, thereby glorifying God. Some of you that are here and some of you that are uh, listening online uh, were part of that work. To, to put this together. Now, you may look at it and say, well, I would have changed it this way. I would have changed it that way. And no question, there's, 
given that it's not Scripture, it's not um, uh, the, wor the words of the Lord, the words of the apostles, it's not uh, Holy Spirit inspired per se, uh, I'm sure there's ways to make it better. But what we're trying to capture in that is here's where we're going. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to point people to Jesus Christ. And by doing that, or in so, we're glorifying God. But there's some things along the way that need to happen too. And one of them is to make disciples of Christ, not disciples of me, not disciples of Brother Glenn or some of our older members, although great examples they are, but not, not followers of any man or woman, but of Christ. And a disciple, that's a word that's not used very much in, in, modern, in modern discussion uh, when we're just talking amongst ourselves. It's, it's more of a, you might say, a biblical word. But the, the follower, devotee, disciple, a someone who is imitating or copying after someone else. That's what we're trying to do. Not of anybody here or anybody in, in, in the past. We're not trying to be followers of Martin Luther. We're trying to be followers of Jesus Christ. So th this morning what we want to talk about is uh, a, a new clicker. So got to get used to it. Uh, thanks, Brandon, for breaking it in. Today I want to talk about the challenge of discipleship. There's lots of different places we could go, different ways we could start this, uh, this study. But um, the challenge of discipleship, and there's a book that's, that's called, um, the name of it is Amusing Ourselves to Death by, by the name of Postman. Here's what he wrote. I believe I am not mistaken in saying that Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. When it is delivered in it as easy and amusing, it is another kind of religion altogether. Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. And yet, we have Jesus saying this, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, okay, we've got this guy named Postman that none of us have ever heard of. <clears throat> and yet, we've got Jesus saying this. How do you reconcile that. Well, in the context of what Jesus was saying and who he was talking to, he's comparing that to the old law. He's comparing that to the 632 different laws, dietary, dress, uh, ceremonial cleansing, all the things that had to do with the Mosaical law. And he said, my yoke is easy and burden is light. He was also referencing to a degree <clears throat> the fact that the leaders of the day, the religious leaders of the day, were putting heavy burdens on people. They were requiring things that God never did. They were requiring them to do things that, that God didn't require. But let's not lose sight of the fact that the, living the Christian life is both demanding and serious. There's a lot of churches uh, all over the place that are involved with um, entertainment for entertainment's sake, trying to rally the troops, if you will, through, through entertainment. It's all about maximum enjoyment. Now, 
I'm not suggesting that worship should be boring and bland in order to be acceptable to God. What I am saying is that the message that we preach and we sing and we pray is far more important than its entertainment value. Christianity, you see, is demanding and serious. The four Gospels, they, they narrate the story of Jesus. And the book of Mark in particular uh, paints a picture of Jesus as a servant on an important mission. This mission is so important that in the first eight chapters of Mark, the word immediately appears more than 30 times. There's a sense of urgency to his work, to Jesus' work. And Mark is capturing that. His work is demanding and serious. You see, Jesus is baptized and immediately he comes up out of the water. Verse, chapter 1, verse 10. Immediately afterward, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. That's chapter 1, verse 12. Then he meets some disciples and they immediately follow him. That's chapter 1, verse 18 and 20. He casts out a demon, and immediately the news spreads about him. That's chapter 1, verse number 28. He leaves the synagogue, and immediately he comes to someone's house. That's chapter 1, verse 29. Mark shows steadily moving around, for, Jesus shows steadily moving around from place to place in fulfilling his mission. But this is all leading up to this in chapter 8. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. He then strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Now we can talk about why that is, that as a, as a side note, the time wasn't ready yet. It, it wasn't yet time to, to display that message broadly. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now I want to take a pause right there. How in the world does that compare how does that level with what we just read about my yoke is easy and my burden is light? When he's talking about a cross, they knew exactly what that meant. He wasn't talking about a cross around his neck as a piece of jewelry. Take up his cross and follow me? For, in other words, because, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That immediacy that we see in chapter 1, and, and really the first eight chapters, that, that immediacy is leading to this. We have work to do because it's serious. The whole context of discipleship here in verses 34 through 38 is tied to the events that are about to unfold. What he's trying to prepare his followers for, his disciples for. He tells them about persecution and rejection. And when Peter says, no way, no way. In fact, it said, the Bible says that, he, that Peter rebuked him. Rebuking the Lord, looking at it from this side of 2,000 years back, that, that blows me away. Peter was close enough to him. He rebuked him. But then Jesus said, you're acting like Satan's followers, not mine. Peter says, no way, you're God's anointed one. Jesus rebukes him about as hard and as harshly as, as could be done. Get behind me, Satan. Because you have your mind on things of this world, but not on things of God. You see, today's lesson is entitled, The Challenge of Discipleship. In the context of becoming more like Christ, let's talk about the challenge. We're going to talk about three things today. We're going to talk about being holy. We're going to talk about being faithful and being unashamed. In Mark chapter 8, verse number 34, Jesus said, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Look also in Hebrews 4. Because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. Some Sometimes in my mind, I think, well, how in the world did Jesus live this perfect, sinless life? Oh, it's because he was fully God. That's how. And I, I just forget about, overlook, dismiss the fact that he was fully man as well. So all of the temptations that you have to eat too much, drink too much, watch the wrong things on the Internet, of course, he didn't have that particular temptation, but... From a sexual standpoint, was he tempted? Yes, he was. Was he tempted to say things that he shouldn't say? Was he tempted to gossip about things that he shouldn't gossip? Yes. Tempted in all ways. I can go on with the list. He, it's not that he can't sympathize with our weakness. He does. He knows our weaknesses. We sing songs about that. He knows our very needs and weaknesses and was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, no other man or woman can make that claim. No one can make that claim. We've all sinned, we've all been tempted, and we've all succumbed to that temptation. And there are no excuses. 
Is it possible that we can deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Jesus in absolute holiness? Can we do what Mark chapter 8, verse number 34 says, what Jesus said that's recorded there in Mark chapter 8? You see, it's actually impossible. It's impossible. Yet that is our call. That is our calling. That's the goal of discipleship, to be more like Jesus every day. More and more every day. Notice what Paul writes here in 1 Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. The will of God. I love passages of Scripture, and there's not very many throughout the Scripture where it's that explicit. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. That word sanctification means to be made holy. That's God's will for us, to be made holy and to be holy. But what is this holiness that God wants us to become and be? It's nothing less than God's holiness, not mine, not some other religious leader. But we're called to God's level of holiness. That's that's beyond my comprehension. You see, if we in our present condition were we to come face to face with the holiness of God, we would fall apart. Look at what, uh, what Isaiah says. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That word undone means come apart or fall apart fly apart. To come face to face with the holiness of God is to be confronted with what? Our utter failure. Our utter failure. Our utter sinfulness. Peter felt the same way when he realized that he was in the presence of the Holy One. Look in Luke 5. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He saw where Jesus was and where he was, and he was undone, just like Isaiah. Depart from me. To come face to face with the holiness of God is to recognize our own sinfulness. Yet we must not only come face to face with the holiness of God, we have to embrace it. We have to embrace that fact. We must become it. And while we fully admit that we are not holy, we must also confess that by the blood of Christ, we have been made holy. We have been sanctified not because of what we do or don't do, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul spends quite a bit of time in the book of, of Romans and in other places, but in the book of Romans talking about this very thing. Hey, you've been saved. Some of you are then taking that as a license to do whatever you want. You've got to get out of jail free card. You've got a carte blanche. You can do what you want. Paul spends a lot of time saying, not so. First Peter 1, 
Peter writes, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in, in, as in your ignorance, but as he, Jesus, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. In 2 Peter, he says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? All of these things will be dissolved. You know, you look around and you see a lot of time and effort spent and money on things that are not permanent. Whether they be buildings or they be uh, vehicles or reputations, uh, whatever they are, there's a lot of effort put into things that will go away. And Peter is recognizing that because since all these things will be dissolved, they're going to go away. How will they be dissolved? Well, they'll, they'll either rust away, rot away, or be destroyed when the Lord comes back and, and the earth is destroyed. One of those is going to happen to it. There are very famous men and women throughout history that have been forgotten, even if there's a statue to them. There's a, there may be a statue to them somewhere. They did wonderful, wonderful things for people. And yet... You have to read the inscription. Who is that? What'd they do? Huh? And that'll be true for all of us. No matter what hall of fame you're part of, eventually that will go by the wayside. But you see, the challenge of discipleship is to be holy. It's, it's, a, it's a different measuring stick, if you will. It's a different measurement of success. The challenge of, of discipleship is not only to be holy, though, it's to be faithful. You see, like in a race, it's not how you begin, it's how you finish. You may start off slowly, you may stumble, you may even fall. How did you finish? And the challenge of discipleship is to be holy today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and day by day, one day at a time. Luke's gospel has one word that's not in the other gospel accounts. Look at this. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, <clears throat> let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Mark doesn't have that word daily. Luke's account records that. You see, discipleship is an everyday thing. It's an every moment thing. Am I going to be a holy Christian acceptable to God tomorrow? Well, I want to be, but I don't control tomorrow. I control right now. As, as, as much as within me, I, I can only control what's happening right this minute. How I'm responding to things that are going on around me. The decisions that I'm making right now, day by day. In, in many ways, the relationship we have as disciples with Jesus is like a marriage. Paul talks about the, that in the book of Ephesians. It's a commitment, isn't it? 
It's not to be entered into lightly. It should be seriously considered. Becoming a Christian is not only about Jesus forgiving you and saving you. It's about you making a commitment to follow Him wherever He leads. And just like in a marriage, it's for better or for worse. It's in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part. It's, and it's not only a commitment, it's a lifetime commitment. It's a covenant even, just as marriage is. It's a commitment, a covenant with God to be faithful to Him. Look here in, in Hebrews 13. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Didn't you say something like that in your marriage vows? I will never leave you or forsake you. Something along those lines. You see, unless we make the same pledge to God and keep it, then can we really call ourselves a disciple of Jesus? Aren't we more likely to be called um, a fan? Some of you are football fans. Some of you follow different football teams. Dallas Cowboys play tomorrow night. Some of you are fans. When they win, you're like me. It's frustrating when they don't, and it's hard to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Sooners, uh, Cowboys, the, 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 the Northern Cowboys, the ones in Stillwater, the, whatever team you're a fan of, things change from time to time. And my commitment level wanes. I no longer have season tickets to OU football games. Not because they started losing, it just... Wanted to do other things. I, I didn't have that commitment anymore. I moved on from that phase. That was a chapter we've turned. My wife wanted to turn the chapter many years before I did, and we finally did. But see, following Jesus is different. Following Jesus is different in that it's, it's a faithful calling that we have. The challenge of discipleship is to be faithful throughout your life. And notice what Jesus said in Revelation 2. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life is not for those who try and give up. Now that's a harsh statement, but I'm going to make it again, because I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's not saying those of you that put on the, the, the cloak of Jesus, put on that relationship with Jesus and then gave up, that he's going to look and say, ah, oh, I remember you. No. Because there were a lot of people that began to follow Jesus. The, the, the Gospels are full of it. The book of Acts is well, you know, as well. Those that followed Jesus and then turned away. Is that you? Is, is that you that you were a, a disciple, a follower, and now it's kind of one of the things that you do. I mean, it, it's, it's no different than your book club or your knitting club or, or whatever uh, other organizations you might be a part of. This is just one of the other organizations that you belong to. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. There's a con this is a conditional statement. This is what's called an if-then if you're faithful unto death, then I will give you the crown of life. Now, are we earning it? No. 
We're not earning it. It's not about building up enough credits in your bank account so that Jesus looks at it and says, yeah, that, that's enough. No. It's about a relationship with him because of the blood of Jesus Christ, but that we remain faithful to that commitment. The crown of life is for those who try and continue to try. Third thing we want to look at real quickly this morning is not being ashamed. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus will be the one judging us that day and saying, I never knew you. Or he'll say, enter into my rest. We all get embarrassed about something from time to time, right? <clears throat> For some people, it's public speaking. They, they just do not like the idea of standing in front of an audience and, and speaking. Other people are, are embarrassed about other things. Moses had this same problem. He didn't want to be in front of a crowd. He said, I don't, I don't want to do that. And the Lord basically told him, I'll be with you. Maybe, maybe it's publicly doing other things. Maybe it's leading singing or, or, or whatever. Um, but, but these words here in Mark, it's not about public speaking. This is not about public worship or, or leading singing or, or anything like that. This is about your life. Are you embarrassed about the fact that you're a Christian? Embarrassed enough that you don't share it with other people? You see how demanding and serious discipleship is? If we're ashamed of Jesus, He's going to be ashamed of us when we come in glory, when He comes uh, he, here in glory, when we see Him in glory. And that's actually something that I dread. I dread seeing Jesus for the first time and Him saying, I don't know who you are. Yeah, you said all the right stuff. You went all the right places. You were with the right people. I don't know who you are. That, that scares me. I don't ever want to be ashamed of Jesus. Look, Peter, the, arguably the closest disciple of Jesus, in fear and shame swore and claimed that he didn't know Jesus. He cussed and said, I don't know who that man is. And if Peter could do it, so could I. That scares me. I don't want to, but I fear that I may, and I know in the past that I have in some ways been ashamed. But let me say this. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Some will say that Jesus is just a myth or a fairy tale, but I'm not ashamed. Some will say it's foolishness to believe that a dead man can, can raise from the dead, but I'm not ashamed. Some will say that the Bible is a hoax, but I'm not ashamed. Some will say that we are stupid, we're ignorant to believe in Jesus and all the things that he claimed to do and to be, but I'm not ashamed. Some will say that the gospel is a fool's game. 
but I'm not ashamed. Let's consider these scriptures as we close. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit, Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. That is a powerful statement of faith. A powerful statement of faith in prayer and in God's power. And that no matter what happens, whether I live or whether I die, Christ will be magnified in what I'm doing. Can you say that? Can I say that? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. A, a, a powerful statement of faith and belief, of confidence, of boldness. While he was in house arrest, he's writing this, saying, hey, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is working out a holy calling. He said, in fact, this calling goes back to the beginning of time. And for these, this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that I, what I have committed to him until that day. And finally... Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner, in this matter. And this is so important for us to think about. Because times are changing. Times are changing in this country, in this city. And I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what freedoms we have now that we may not have in the future. There are freedoms in Canada today that are being taken away from churches. It's happening right now. And it's, it's, not, it's not some conspiratorial thing that you only hear about on like Infowars and, and, and esoteric places. It's being taken away, folks. Will that come to the United States? I have no idea. We have the Constitution to stand on. Canada has one too. Roman citizens had certain rights, but they were 
subject to the whims of the powers that be. Being a follower of Christ doesn't take away your problems. Being a follower of Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to be smooth. Being a follower of Christ in some cases means that you're going to suffer and be embarrassed. But the instruction is for us to glorify God in this matter. And isn't that exactly what we talked about earlier? What we're trying to accomplish as a body here, as a congregation, becoming a disciple, that we're fostering spiritual growth, equipping each other to serve and each other and the community, and in so doing, thereby glorifying God. In conclusion, be holy, be faithful, be unashamed. This is the challenge of discipleship. Are you up to the challenge? We are going as a church body to move forward from this point to equip one another to be a better follower of Jesus. To be a disciple of, of His, not just a fan. To be a, a true worshiper, follower, disciple. To be conformed to His image. Are you up to the challenge? If we can pray with you, pray for you, if we can help you start this journey to become His follower, He asks you to obey the Gospel. To be obedient to the Gospel starting today. If you have walked away, if you started a relationship with Him and have walked away, I assure you God didn't go anywhere. Jesus hasn't walked anywhere. You did. If you've walked away and want to restore that relationship, He said He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. If we can help you in any way, let us know as we sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com normanchurch.com normanchurch.com